When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Cricket is back and in full swing. William Hill is the place to be for cricket punters this year with a suite of offers across all formats of the game, domestically and internationally. Check out all William Hill's in-play offers, along with all the latest odds and promotions at WilliamHill.com or on the free app. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. Alright listeners, middle please umpire, Jory, Jory, here we go. Miles Jub, what are you saying? Give us some Jory, Milesy Jub. Uh, oh no, Spuggy, the grove's on fire. I <laughs> <laughs> and hello listeners, welcome back to middle please umpire. It's day three. Um, oh no, Spuggy, the grove's on fire. Uh, great days, of course, great days. Uh, how are you, Mark? I wasn't bad. It was all right. I was having a, I was having a go. I'm all right. I get nervous attempting accents, so then all I end up doing is a sort of even posher English one, rather pathetically. Um, you're you're doing all right. You got Virat Kohli out this week. Is that a good week when you get Virat Kohli out? Mm-hmm. That was, um, you know, probably one of the best wickets in terms of players that I've gotten. I think him whacking me straight at deep square wasn't a classic fastball and wicket. Um, <laughs> But I assumed it was a very carefully thought out plan that, you know, approximately one one seventeenth of all uh, you know, balls on middle and leg he will absolutely spank to deep square leg. Well I'll tell you I'll tell you a little secret that I actually got the line wrong. I actually got it too straight. It was a good length, wrong line, but um these these accidents can happen, Miles. And it was a good accident. You must have got him out before. Right, well, that's the first time I've I've got my hand play against India much, to be honest. So it's nice to play as if my first tour for England and India. I missed the last one because I was injured. <coughs> Shock horror. Um, so <laughs> I've um, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed being here, and I mean the the how fanatical they are about the, that cricket is just it's on a totally another another level. So um, it's great ex- to experience it. It was even better when the fans were in, but. It's still amazing, like when you you get on the team bus and you go to the ground. You know, there's people lined on the streets outside as if you're a, you know, a footballer in our country with all their phones out waving, screaming, 
like 40-year-old guys screaming at other 30-year-old guys is a strange sensation, but it's one I've embraced. And when we managed to manoeuvre the bus around the cows that are in the middle of the street. Do you think the cows know who you are? Yeah, well, this this one keeps showing, uh, and I'm assuming it's shouting, wood. So I think technically that I'm, a, I'm that cow's favourite. Um, it, it might be shouting, root. It's not here. Yeah, but it might. It might be a, you know, it might not have read the papers. There must be some cows that aren't up to speed with the rest and rotation system, Mark. There must be some. <laughs> yeah, so honestly, it's, it's, it's weird. Like, round the cows... And then we have a police escort, which is brilliant. But you have like the little um, sort of... Nino Ninos? Nino Ninos, that's it. Uh, mopeds that come up next to the bus. And then there's just this guy with like his camera getting pictures of the lads sat on the bus. And the, often I find, which I find pretty strange, is that we'll, we'll often see a whole family on a moped with the dad who is, you know, 30, 40 years old with his helmet on, but nothing on the, <laughs> the wife and kids, which I, which I find a bit bizarre. But it's a lovely country to see, the culture, the colours, they have coloured buildings, coloured walls. I've seen some monkeys on this trip by the side of the road, which was amazing. So there's plenty going on. Anyway, anyway, what have you been doing, Miles? Taking up some tiles, using a, a lump hammer and something else. Um, uh, you know, That's how they prepare the wickets, yeah. <laughs> oh, I had to do, yeah, I've done some auditions. I had to do an American accent for something, which is always quite... Tense. What kind of American accent? Um, well, it was a it was a sort of uh, a lawyer. Because I love the deep style. Uh, <laughs> I I don't have your range, sadly. Couch to five k. I've been doing. I do I do yoga every morning, as you know, Mark. Um, and I do. I've been doing couch to five k. And then today, I'm not. My wife is like ten ten weeks in or whatever. She goes running for hours. I'm I'm only on my second week. And today I came back. I was quite pleased. And then I thought. Got to about half eleven, and I thought I'll have a little pre-lunch nap because otherwise, you know, I don't, I don't want to be tired when it's lunchtime. And um, I, I got onto the bed in such a way that I've injured my hip. Uh, I just, I just did it too fast, Mark. Um, I can see how people like you end up having these sort of, you know, it's it's harder than people think. Um, so that uh, unfortunately, that might have put me out of action for, you know, possibly two, two or three meals. Um, but uh, I. Oh. <laughs> All athletes get injured, Miles. That's true. Exactly. It's what happens. It's what happens, you know. Um, I'm going to just just cover myself in ice. Is that what you do? What are those things that people put their legs in that then sort of blow up slightly? Uh, they're called the, the game readies. Yeah, I, that's basically a machine I live off. Or we've got these things called recovery pumps, which are basically, they go from your toes up to your hips and they blow up hot air, which basically stops the blood circulating in your legs sort of thing. Like, it, Well, yeah, you don't want your blood circulating, do you? That sounds awful. And then it releases, and then everything, and the pins and needles go away, the blood flows back, and for some scientific reason that's supposed to work. But uh, I don't want to use words like hocus-pocus or witchcraft, but I think the whole thing sounds extremely... <laughs> placebo effect okay well what what about you when you've been on your run have you been what have you been listening to oh uh well i've got the voice of joe wiley encouragingly tell me to, to to go around she's one of the the voices on the app you mean to tell me you don't listen to middle please on air when you're out running i <laughs> what i have done is listen about five times to how mad i sound at the end of the joe root episode I, if, it, if I just played that laughter out of context and it was, you know, like on a sort of old black and white Frankenstein film or something about a mad scientist, I sat absolutely chillingly deranged. I can only assume it was nerves 
but I do I do get like that sometimes. But the, it just means that you feel like you know that sort of um, too much jelly at a party kind of um, feeling. I'm I'm excited for Halloween for you this year. I think you've got it nailed down to a T. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna wander around laughing and people are gonna oh that guy he has he has absolutely overdone it. <laughs> that is absolutely what a chilling persona. The kids he's... get inside. He's here. <laughs> oh, the laughing man. <laughs> Haribo, everybody. It'll be no, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely terrifying. Miles, I'm just doing this crossword here. Um, it says, uh, across, retired postman. Uh, retired, how many letters? Millions. Hey! <laughs> Get that one for free there, Miles. Very good. Speaking Very of good. letters. I've got the mailbag here. Got it, got it, got it right here. Can we have a look? Yep. It's a lovely, uh, lovely mailbag in the form of a, in the form of a PDF. Uh, okay, uh, so the correspondence we'd asked the question: uh, What is the most incredible or craziest matches um, that you've been involved in? This, I think, was really off the back of the uh, Armada bed test, in which everyone, as far as I'm concerned, absolutely um, out- outdid themselves. And uh, never mind the result; everybody was attacking the ball. Uh, oh, this one, first one is from Monmouth, uh, Monmouth Cricket Club. Um, we had a tough day a few years back in our third at Abergavenny CC. Uh, we scored, <laughs> we scored eighteen all out in eleven overs. Uh, <laughs> I uh, which was not exactly a stellar effort. Uh, they then proceeded to chase the runs in just five balls. Uh, oh crikey! Uh, this is from Giles Gould in a schools match at Sherborne School in Dorset. We were embarrassingly all out for just six runs, uh, with their opening bowler taking all ten wickets. His name was Nick Peters, and soon after he was opening the bowling with Sylvester Clark at Surrey. Uh, okay, so that's that's a, wow. a, a worthy adversary. I'm trying to think what the I remember like at school. I think tw- twenty eight all out. I was definitely involved in, but I do remember our first eleven at the school I was at when I was about. Nine, they were genuinely bowled out for seven. I've had a few games there for Northumberland. Like when we mentioned with Johnny Best or Yorkshire, Lancashire for Northumberland, we were I think we bowled off thirty six once against Lancashire. So we we had plenty of those days. Um, that's why we had to make sure that we always fielded first. I mean, I was thinking there with some of the, those um, matches. What do you think you do if the game's over that quickly? Is it sort of like, come on, lads, we'll have another game that's not a result, or would you just Go home. I don't know what you do. I went to this really small school when I was younger. I went to this really small school. It was about 100, 100 people. Not a very sporty school. And I, there was a time I actually thought that all cricket matches consisted of a single innings match followed by a beer match. Because every week, every week, the game itself would be over so quickly that there was always another one afterwards. And I thought that was how the game worked. And it really... and it, that they were, you know, effectively, they were, it was great preparation. Everyone was playing a sort of two innings game every week. But I had, it was a long time before someone said, "No, they have to keep doing that because they're so bad." Um, <laughs> right um, from Chris Norton, loving the pod. Uh, not exactly a crazy game, but enjoy my embarrassment as I made it into one. On the spur of the moment, some thirty odd years ago, I decided to see if Kent had a home game to go and watch. They had a decent lineup at the time, I think, including the Cowdery brothers, Chris Taveray, and Mark Benson. I checked, and yes, they had a game at Maidstone. Fold up garden chair, food, liquid, newspaper, all loaded into the car. Got to the ground early, hoping to snaffle a car parking spot. Fab, not many cars at all, if any. In fact, virtually no one was there right up to the first ball. 
It was a second eleven game. I'd misread the fixture list in the paper. Undeterred, I still set up my garden chair and started watching play, but after a short while the temperature dropped and the wind picked up considerably. So much so my newspaper blew straight onto the outfield and then to my horror... <laughs> Separated <laughs> with quite a few pa- <laughs> with quite a few pages now reaching the square. Rather, rather sheepishly, I attempted to retrieve them and had to be kindly assisted by three or four of the fielders. I, ret- <laughs> I returned to my chair, hurriedly ate the food I'd packed for the entire day, and left the ground as soon as the teams disappeared in for lunch. Um, excellent. Thank you very. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, uh, Chris. Um, there's still uh, other questions we've asked in recent time. We're always happy to receive mail at uh, any time. Um, of course, as ever, any legendary cricket club stories, uh, 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 nicknames um, that people are proud or ashamed of, incredible matches you've witnessed or been part of, or um, uh, indeed, <laughs> have you spotted any professional cricketers at petrol stations? That was uh, triggered by my indecently interesting anecdote about spotting Joe Root. At a Euro garage. Please send your emails to middleplease at hotmail.com. Miles, have you seen in um, in the schedule that where the West Indies tour has been uh, lengthened? Which is always, always good oh. news. Hopefully there'll be crowds back in for them. How long should I pack for? What, an away series? Yes, so in 20, I think it's early 22. So we go, we, we have the, the World T20 World Cup, then it's on to the Ashes. And after the Ashes um, in late January, we go on to the West Indies for a one-day tour leg. Then we come home for a little bit, I think. Then it's on to the Test matches in the West Indies as well. as I think they've extended as a thank you for the West Indies coming over for, for the COVID summer in England. So um, hopefully we can have fans back there. That'll be, that'll be an amazing trip. I think, yeah. I mean, that must be an amazing place to play and watch. Hopefully the Barmy Army can come. I mean, I can't. It's so odd. I mean, as a, just as a spectator to watch an. I mean, it, in my career, I've, I've I've seen a lot of empty seats, Mark. But uh, uh, you will be less used to it than I am. And it must even now. You've been doing it for months. You must just almost almost allow yourself to forget about it and walk back to your mark and just think, hang on a minute, where the where is? Do you ever sort of ironically cup your ear in the direction of a completely empty stand when you've taken a wicket? Why aren't you chirping now, mate? <laughs> it didn't go so well when I dropped the catch at our Medabad, though. Uh, luckily, there was no one there to, to give me to give me pelters after that. That was that. Does that count as a drop? If you don't get your hand on it, technically, is it a drop? I mean, if um, if Mark Wood falls over in a forest and no one, no one's there, has he has he technically gone over again? I wouldn't care, you know. I'd practice catches in the light, in the lights, in the dark all week. And um, that one that went up, the problem was I thought Joss was going to go for it. And then by the time I said, right, it's mine. I wasn't close enough to the ball. And it looked great on the replay. Perfect dive, cut me hands at the right time, only for the ball to land about a yard away <laughs> from me. So if I had put the catch, it would have been spectacular. If you drop a catch, you put down a catch like that, let's say put it down, what... What are you doing? I mean, is that are you just trying to like forget about it, forget about it, focus on the now? Or does it does it nag? I mean, you've got to try and move on, but it, it is that's one of the worst things that can happen because you feel like you've let someone down. If you bowl badly, it's you feel bad. You know, you've get it wrong for the team, you've get it wrong for yourself, you've let you've like the fans and stuff. But when you drop a catch, there's more of that, more of that feeling overwhelms you that you know you've let your mate down. They've worked hard to get that wicket. It's an important player or something like that. And the, the player I actually dropped was Ruach Sharma. And then the next ball, he hit Sam Curran for six. That feeling of 
you know, you've let your mate down was uh, isn't isn't a great feeling. But you've got to just be term- be determined to take the next take the next one. That's all you can do. You see, it's no good feeling sorry for yourself. So I suppose that's a sensible thing to do is just a few few quick apologies and then point in the direction of like one of the lights and shrug a couple of times in a kind of well, there's just no you know what what could I do? Everyone will think fair enough. And um, you know you can you can all move on. Perhaps take off your Oakleys and go. Got the wrong lenses in. I got slated at Cardiff one day. Um, there was a catch went up uh, against Australia. I think um, tie for Australia. The, the bowler he slog swept one. I was at cow corner, and honestly the ball went straight in the sun. And I, 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 so you think you've got it originally, and then you get that when you look at the sun. That like sort of way of vision like gets that blind spot. In the middle yeah. of your eye, and then you're thinking, right, this ball could just hit me in the head. Am I am I the only person in the stadium who doesn't know where the ball is? <laughs> yeah, went for four, and of course, I've got to collect the ball, and it's our home fans, and they're like, why aren't you wearing your sunglasses? Put your sunglasses on, and I have my sunglasses on top of my head. But anybody <laughs> that knows, when you're looking at the sun with direct sun with your sunglasses on, it has a glare effect that makes it 10 times worse. So I've, I've put the sunglasses on top of my head and just trying to use my hand and my cap to, to try and get a good view. And um, the next ball, to make it even worse, Morgie had moved me and swapped me with Johnny Bastel. And that isn't the ultimate humiliation. If you've dropped it, why haven't you got your sunglasses on? Um, it's against Australia. It's now, right, you're being moved because you're not very good. <laughs> but there's no hiding place then. You know, I remember saying I played in this TMS T20 game and um, that's a lot of letters in that sentence. I I said I was worried about fielding, and I said to Graham Swan, "Where is there anywhere? Where can you hide? Where where can you hide in the field?" And he said, "I'll oh, go at mid off or on the forty five. So I thought that's good. And then we were batting first. He went out to open first ball. He hit it straight to mid off and was out. And I thought, right, well, that's you've told me that no balls go to mid off essentially, and yet he's try to hit the leather off the first one so there is no hiding and i spent the whole i've never i have never you know i've got a, young children i play quite a lot of hide and seek i've never put more effort into hiding in the field than i have to say that i did that day when proper proper grown-ups were smashing it about i'll tell, I'll tell you something that trevor trevor bayless brought in was at the time with the fielding coach was he wanted to attack every ball so um myself and adil rashid were two people that would often feel fine making third man. We weren't, we weren't the best fielders. But for two or three years, he didn't care if we ran past the ball, if it went for four. He did. He just didn't care. He said, we're going to be aggressive towards the ball. We're going to try and stop ones and twos. And since then, I think Rash has been, honestly, one of our better fielders just because simply getting used to attack the ball. And, you know, the other day, Stokes, he missed one, I think, in mid-off. I think it bobbled a little bit. But nobody said anything and nobody was disappointed disappointed because you know that we're, the, the way that we're programmed now is as long as you're attacking the ball as quick as you can to try and get that run out and take the positive aggressive option then um then the no one in the team's going to complain and uh, you know hang, hang the consequences yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, i know you missed it by three foot mate but we could the look on your face very concentrated aggression and i think you know, let's let's call that one a free pass. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, it was it wasn't like that in the World Cup final when GS misfielded that first one. Oh my word! Was it three? Three of the six went to him. Is that right? Yeah, three of the six. Yeah, he got the main one right, and that's all that matters. What a day! Honestly, 
reliving so, it again, Miles. I can see it in your face. You were there with the team on the podium. I remember. I'm sure it was quite nerve wracking for you lot, but honestly, as a, as, as a spectator, Mark, it really was anxiety inducing. Speaking of spectators, haven't we got haven't we got someone special on the show today? Uh, we do. We've got a very special guest uh, on the show today, organised by you because he's a friend of yours. Okay, well, I'll give you a clue then. It okay. is a, it is a spectator. Yeah. Um, it's someone that has spectated a lot of cricket. Uh-huh. Um, and as someone that I believe is one of the probably only people to ever nearly notch up a hundred tests for England. Uh, okay, well, I guess um, is it Deco from the Barmy Army? It is. Oh, wow, knowledge, Deco from the Barmy Army. Do you know who my second guest was going to be? Come on, Stephen Segal. <laughs> I'd just like to take a moment to thank our founding sponsors, Cricketers Gin. Cricketers Gin is the perfect podcast partner, as this corker of a gin began its innings at the local village cricket club in Pinkney's Green, Berkshire. Over a G&T, the founders decided that this quintessential British game, along with the wild botanicals growing in abundance, deserved a bespoke gin of its own. Cricketers features milk thistle, wild marjoram and blackberries, amongst other botanicals, delivering a smooth juniper-forward gin. If pink is your preference, they also have a delicious raspberry-distilled pink gin. Please take a look at their website, cricketersgin.com, where you'll find a range of gin hampers too. Apply the code CRICKET and you'll receive a discount off your purchases. Cricketers, a small batch gin and a family-owned business. William Hill's Safer Gambling Tools help you stay in control. You can set deposit limits, session reminders, and take timeouts whenever you need them. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. So, Deco, welcome to uh, to Middle Please Umpire. Thanks very much indeed uh, for joining us. How, how are you today? How are you and where are you? It's two questions, two questions in one. I'm very well, Miles, and... Uh... Thank you for you and Woody for inviting me on. I'm very honoured and uh, humbled. And I'm in sunny Milton Keynes. I've just been fishing to try and catch uh, my PB carp and um, failed miserably. What is your PB for carp? Uh, £32. Blimey. I've been doing a bit of barbel fishing. But I go I go with my friend. He, he does ties the knots and I sit in a chair. And uh, that's the bit I really like. I like the bits in between. And the first time he went, you're going to love fishing. And we sat in there in a chair and I thought, I absolutely love fishing. And then he went, you've caught something. And I thought, oh, God, there's a fish on the end of that. Now I've got to do something about it. So I'm, the, my, the, the sitting in a chair bits, absolutely magic, I think. Do you fish, Mark? Once I went fishing out at sea in Dunedin with a few of the lads. We went on the, on the river. I thought, this is, a, this is a doddleless. It's nice and easy until we went in the mouth of the sea where we dropped anchor. And then for the next two hours... It was one of the worst trips I've ever been on. And Jason Roy, who I'll never forgive to this day, brought us back in. I mean, I had the sweatbands on. I was sniffing peppermint. Look at the horizon, which I still don't understand because the horizon's going up and down, which wasn't helping at all. <laughs> and as we went back into the river, of course, we aren't catching very much. So Jason says, uh, oh, come on, let's go out to sea one more time. It's like chicken pox. Once you've had it once, you can't get it again. We went back at the sea within 10 <laughs> seconds. I'm on the floor again, ill. You've not forgiven Jason Roy. Even when he fielded three balls in the Super Over, did you just sit there thinking, well, uh, you know, I've still got seasick of you? Mm, yeah, never. I, I don't think I'll ever forgive him since. I still look at him now and just, oh, can't believe you said that. <laughs> can't believe I fell for it. So where, where, where did you two, where did you two meet then? 
Uh, my well, my first experience of Deco would have been Dubai 2015 um, UAE tour against Pakistan. There was this guy who was always at the top of the stand who would sing. And funny enough, one day I was getting on the bus and Brody sort of give this guy a high five. I get on the bus. I was like, oh, Brody, who's I? He says, oh, it's Deco, man. He's honestly, what a character he is. I says, oh, he says, you two get on like a house on fire. I says, how's that? He says, oh, he's as mental as you. Next day, Deco uh, <laughs> is doing the warm up with um, another guy. We're like doing this sort of, you get the bands out and you do the shoulders. They're doing the shoulders together. Then they pretend to throw balls at each other into the net, just like we do. And they copied the whole warm-up. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> um, and then from that moment on, I sort of uh, were crossed paths a couple of times, got to know each other. And um, yeah, he's been, I mean, the, the last the last time I come across Deco wouldn't have been in person. It was we were playing in Sri Lanka in the test match. We had that one fan there who was at the top of the fort in goal. And he brought a massive flag with Deco's face on it, with Deco's <laughs> famous saying, uh, rock and roll champ. So every ground I went to, as soon as I heard, come on, Woody, rock and roll champ, I knew he was there. And that was it. I had to, I had to pull well from that moment on. <laughs> so what, what was the first tour that you went on then? Or when did you join the, the Barmy Army? Or are you, in, are you in for the bricks and mortar? I, I started touring in 2003, Sri Lanka. Uh, it, it was, uh, you know, life gets in the way of you doing a lot of things. But I I had the opportunity and I went to Sri Lanka and then basically didn't miss a tour since. And um, through, I guess, being slightly animated or enthusiastic, depending on your point of view, then I started writing songs and I don't have too much shame about me. So I, I, I just <laughs> tended to stand up and be, be counted. Dago, were, you, were you always in for the long haul? Or did you like, when you start in trying, are we like, oh, I'll just do maybe one tour or a couple of tours and then it just escalated? Or were you always planning on, like, this is, I've loved it that much. I'm going to do every tour I can. Well, what happened is, Woody, is that I went and shrank a tour and I went with my cricket club there was 23 of us um it was my local cricket club and I didn't really realize that a lot of those guys didn't really get on so I wasn't the um uh, <laughs> put off by that and I came back and I remember you know being a painter and decorator I went round to a, a customer's house and I was oh, I was just saying how great it was because cricket touring always seemed to me at that point it was for other people it wasn't for me it was the people that I don't know. Um, it wasn't for me. But then I found it was, and a customer in, uh, just said, just go, just go. And I remember going 204 um, West Indies, and that's when Stevie H, you know, done his business. Seven for 12. Oh, it was, it was just incredible. And it was – and I said, well, this is uh, – this is now what I want to do. This is where I'm going with this. And the motivation in life, you might see behind me, I have a lot of cricket shirts and this, that and the other, and they're my motivational tools. So when I've got to do a quote, when I've got to get a wiggle on, I just say to myself, do you want to go on tour? This is what you've got to do. Mark, at the moment, playing in these enormous stadiums that have no nobody in, I mean, you just, in a way, it's a time to value your travelling crowd uh, like like never before. 
yeah, you miss it. You're uh, are a huge like that was part of obviously there's there's a core group of them who literally come everywhere, and that's just in my time. Never mind the, the all the other tours that Deck was mentioned before that. You know, they really are your your twelfth man. I know obviously because we're doing this podcast and Deck was on, it could be a fact of oh, I'm saying nice things because he's here. But honestly, on the field, it's a massive help when you need a wicket or you're under pressure or the opposition, like the game's on a knife edge. We lost the one-day series against Australia recently, actually, in um, at home. And even if we had our home crowd in, I believe the crucial moments in those games, when the crowd puts Australia under pressure, when we need a wicket, or if something happens, the crowd just give you that lift. And especially when we're away from home, where the conditions can be against you, it can be red hot, the opposition are used to them. Having the Barmy Army there and having that sort of like English humour, because it's a bit different to everywhere else. There isn't that same crack. There isn't that same relationship with, or it doesn't seem that way with, with opposition. So our sort of lighthearted British nature and taking the Mickey out of own team, but always standing behind each other, it works really well. And it actually picks up your spirits when you're on the field. The the witty songs, the the general backing 24-7, no matter if you've been bowled up for 50, if they've gotten 500, it really does get you through the day and um, can give you that extra zip, um, especially as a fast bowler. So I, I went to India in 2006 and watched three three games. It was a, a, quite a difficult time sometimes. I sort of felt quite homesick. And I loved it when, when Hoggard was bowling. I'm thousands of miles from home. At the time, I was thinking, actually, what am I doing? And then suddenly... <laughs> Suddenly the ball gets thrown to Hoggard and the last of the summer wine theme <laughs> comes off. <laughs> you can just hear that echoing across like the Viderba Cricket Association or whatever. And it, it was just absolutely fantastic. I, how many how many songs did you come up with, Dego? I've done quite a few, probably six or seven. Um they tend to be personal songs. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. I could I could do a cheeky one for you now. <laughs> I'm, I'm game. Are you game, Miles? I am. I, I cannot be more up for this. Yeah, go go for it. <laughs> if Mark Wood's bowling at you today, you're in for a big surprise. When Woody's bowling at you today, you won't believe your eyes. For every bat that ever there was, we'll be scared of him because today's the day that Mark Wood takes your wicket. That is glorious. <laughs> so it's it's been superseded slightly by Shake It Up, Woody, but there's... Um, <laughs> There's quite a few that um, Sing Sing, Lord of the Dance song, I did, funny enough, on your that, that tour, 06. Um, I read your book in the uh, 012 tour, February in Heat, I believe. Um, so, yeah, I, I've been robbed a couple of times on tour, well, more than a couple of times. I got robbed uh, once again in India. I, out of a bad situation, I went to see Matt Pryor that was one of my sort of early heroes and um through that I got to decorate KP's house because KB was having lunch and so many things you know sliding doors when one door closes then another opens and um tell about uh, Matty P so Matty Pryor you, you famously get on well with him I know the story but for people listening you and him struck up a, a close bond didn't you and he really helped you out oh big stuff um we were in sri lanka 2007 stuart boards um debut 
I'm walking around. We, we, we were at a warm-up game. We're walking around the outfield, and Matty's fielding. So I started talking to him, and then a ball came to him. He didn't see it because I'm talking to him. But anyway, he sort of misfielded. So he cut a long story short. I said, Matt, any chance, any chance, my friend, I could have your shirt? He said, see me at the end of the tour. End of the tour, what I didn't know was it was on the 23rd of December. The England boys had shipped all their gear out to go to the airport. So once the game had finished, they could get home for Christmas. I then caught up with him in West Indies. I'd just been robbed and um, my room got done, my phone, everything, la-di-da. And I saw Matt and I said, Matt, do you remember? And I told him the story and he gave me his shirt. And so I came home and then I made up a song. Sorry, Miles, you're going to have to get your editor on this, but... (laughs) Uh, um, well, do you want me to sing this? <laughs> yeah, go for it. He's got no hair, but I don't care because I love Matty Pryor. <laughs> I got robbed on tour, but Matty made sure that I went home so happy. He gave me his shirt to lessen her hurt. Now I love Matty Pryor. And with the ashes in his pocket, he's England's pocket rocket. We all love Matty Pryor. <laughs> And so I used to sing this everywhere. I think I embarrassed him, but it was one of those, it was, I was so grateful. And how can you show your love for the players? Apart from singing, you know, just adulation of thanking, you make my life better by seeing you do your thing. And that's by playing cricket. But also the karma of that, because when Pryor came back after that 2008, he was absolutely amazing. He kept playing these sort of tempo changing innings. He was a man, he was a man transformed, you know. So there's a complete karmic circularity about that. I used to go down to Sussex and watch him after a county game. He used to he used to work with Bruce French for a good hour, hour and a half. And I'd be there with a cheeky little refreshment and he would be working <laughs> his shots off. And it's one of the things that used to happen in in cricket in yesteryear, I can remember Straussy going back from New Zealand, going and get some runs, champ. And they used to go back to counter cricket and work hard and work harder. Same as Woody. Woody goes back. He, he's he got fortune, skill. Just He just wants to play for England. And I saw that in, in Matty. He obviously saw my passion in my support. It's a passion created by these boys that I will be forever thankful for. And um, yeah, this is it's, it's been happy days. <laughs> Edward, who's who's been uh, just from pure cricket in terms? Who's been the best England player you've seen, batsman and bowler? I would say batsman. It's a toss up. It, uh, 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 do you know Kevin Peterson transformed English cricket for me uh, when I was watching him. Now I can only see what I'm watching, but I, I love to watch him. But also conversely. So Alistair Cook was just an absolute legend. Now, different personalities bring different things to the party, but and bowlers, obviously, I'm going to put yourself up there, mate. But Jimmy, Jimmy and Brody over the years have been so consistent. So they're just there. Whatever it takes for England, they're there. That's that's how it appears to me. And I love the fact the board he gets the ump when he's dropped or he oh you you're resting. No, I don't want to rest. I want to play. 
And that's what I, I that will do, must do, can do attitude. But I love the perspective you have on it because you've seen so much. You've gone, you know, there's people that will say we'll always go to a home test, say. Sure. But where we're, you know, the the bigger test, I suppose, for a cricketer is, is being overseas. And that's where you've seen so much of them or whatever. But also the amount you've seen his whole career. So Alistair Cook, for instance, well, you and I will both have seen him walk out and make his debut as a sort of slightly jet-lagged 21-year-old in, in Nagpur. And then, you you know, when a, and what an amazing... Just astonished. I remember being, I was in the press room when he came in after that first thing, and I thought, look at this, this, this really young guy who almost can't quite, I mean, he must have had self-belief. He couldn't have been there. But, you know, to sort of be there and just see this guy come in who's made 100 on debut. And then you're there, you know, right to the end to, to see, like, an entire career like that. And what and what an amazing overview that must give you. Miles, let me tell you, it's, such is the quality of... Uh... All the England players, I've got to mention, um, well, as they know, the players know I'm a decorator and I've spent, you know, all my winters and all my money going to watch England cricket. Now, I'm only a paper and decorator. uh, So anyway, there's times when I can't legislate, I can't get tickets for six months ahead. Now, there was a time where as the cook, now bearing in mind, I saw his debut with yourself at Nagpur. And I've seen virtually every tunny score, virtually every innings away. I've done 93 away test matches now. That's not including my home ones, World Cups, ODIs, warm-up games. Amazing. So what happens is that I went to, I finished a job on the Friday and Alistair Cook was playing his last game at the Oval. And I went there and I I thought I was going to the pub. I had no ticket, so I was going to watch it in the pub next door to the Oval. And um, anyway, I bumped into Joe Root. And, oh, Deco, Deco, where are you going? He said, where are you sitting? He said, I say, hello. I said, mate, oh, I haven't got a ticket. I'm sitting in the pub. Oh, and it, because it was Cookie's last game, he, he said, well, I don't think there's any tickets. I said, don't you worry. Just go and enjoy yourself. Have a great day. Within five minutes, I've got a text off Rooty, our skipper, saying, Mate, he said there's a ticket there. And it wasn't an ordinary ticket. I'm just a, a, a fella who goes in a, a replica shirt, combat shorts and trainers. This was a £1,000 ticket up into the OCS stand at the top of the Oval. OK, I got challenged about three times before they established a joke. But I had the most marvellous day. And I saw the conclusion, thanks to Joe, to end of Cookie's career. Looking at the fixture list, have you worked out when your 100th overseas test could be? I can't see that happening. <laughs> don't, don't want to be negative with the way the world's going, but what can I say? Look, if if I can, you know, the West Indies, and they came over here when times were tough in COVID situations. So, yeah. you know, I'd like to support them, and um, but I don't know. Miles, I know I haven't worked anything out, my friend. I'm just every day I wake up. If there's a pulse, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> you know? But so you keep saying I'm oh, I'm just a painter and decorator. You you are you're self-employed, presumably. You're completely in charge of your own thing. Yeah. So what you do, that's that. It's perfect in terms of you're in a situation where you can organise your life around your, your non-working life around the thing that you most love doing. And that because I remember getting a taxi with a few Barmy Army people in. Um, Shandigar, and I, I was kind of blown away by the way they were saying we just well everything we do is so we can do this and it's this it's an enormous it's an enormous commitment and uh 
you know, it means that they're like, well, there is a way we can work our lives so that we can do this, do this thing. And you're in this position where you can, I mean, presumably you have to vet people. If someone wants you to do a job and they're not interested in cricket, you have to say, well, I don't know if that's going to work, is it? Because I might suddenly just, they might come into a room and say, we've decided to change the colour of the skirting. And I'll go, Psh, this is an important moment, actually. I can't, not, not now. Just we can look at those watches later or whatever it might be. Then, you know, and if you want to suddenly say to them, I know I put all the furniture in the middle of the room and a sheet over it, but I'm actually going to Abu Dhabi tomorrow or whatever. You've got, <laughs> you've got to, you've got to make sure you've got cricket lovers whose houses that you're, that you're decorating because you need, you need that empathy. A lot of my customers actually wait for me to come back. They schedule in the work. I've had customers for donkey's years and they will schedule in my work. So it doesn't, you know, it clash with the cricket. Because also, as self-employed, and whilst I can, and I do appreciate what you're saying there, and I can do it, uh, what do you tell you? I was doing stupid hours, stupid hours, just to afford to go away. Now, I stayed in backpackers. I stay in guest houses. So I, stay, I don't stay in big hotels. It's, it doesn't suit me budget. But when I go away, it, it's... You, you also, you don't get paid. You know, I'm not there to answer the phone. Cricket and touring gives you just so much more than just watching the cricket. Memories for life. I've got a room here now that I've got memories from all around the world that I, I, I just, you know, I feel so blessed, so lucky. But then it's there for everyone. Anyone can do what I've done. You just have that desire, that passion, that commitment, like an England player. To play for England, they've got to have that. I, I've got to tell you, I did read your book, and um, it was uh, on the nine ten South Africa tour. Me and my friend, uh, a guy called Youngy, we didn't like Castle Lager, so we blagged our way into boxes. This is, if you remember, is when they brought DRS in. So I blagged my way a bit like yourself, you know, through doors, doors open, and bit of bit of headed note paper. Yeah. We blagged our way into Graham Smith's box with his brother, his <laughs> mum, his dad, and everyone. We got in there on day one, and they said, oh, right, you." at the end of the day, they said, right, you two, you're not coming up here again. We said, well, why? Have we upset you? And they said, no. What we're doing is you're coming up here, but you haven't got a blag. We're leaving you a five-day ticket on the bottom of the lift. So we went up there every day and culminated. Obviously, when we drew that test, which felt like a victory, Graham Smith, uh, Jack Callis, uh, Mark Belch, all came up to get away from the English fans because we go mental. I brought all my mates into Graham Smith's box, so we were all going live. <laughs> 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 it was great stuff, yeah. When you, when you in on the fans meeting in South Africa with the boys? The fans meeting? No. Come in the dressing room, didn't you, with, in the, at the end of a South Africa tour? That was right, wasn't it? Alistair Cook. Invited us in. No, it's Trevor. Trevor Bayliss invited us in. We all went in. About ten of us. Did you enjoy that experience? Oh, did you pick up pick up any bats? Who did you go for? The New Balance? Well, no, <laughs> I, I, I the Snow Leopard. You know, this is a true story. <laughs> I got robbed on that tour. My bag got done at Joburg at the airport, and I had all my replica England shirts stolen so i put it on twitter and matt pryor came to the rescue he said i'm sure the england boys will look after you so i've gone to the nets the first morning and they all knew about it and uh the uh, stuart ball gave me a shirt and then 
a couple of others said, look, at the end of the tour, we give you we give you some shirts. So anyway, we got invited in the dressing rooms. And as Alistair Cook came out after we won the, the series, um, he gave me his shirt. And then we've all gone in the dressing room. Josh Butler gave me his shirt, Johnny Bairstow. But what stood out was the speech from um, Alistair Cook saying, thank you, lads, for being here. I felt like an England player for about... 30 seconds. It was like, go out, boys, you can do this. And he was just saying, thank you for coming here. Thank you. For... But saying it in such a lovely, lovely way that I can't even begin to replicate. But it was, I went away, I was like floating on air. It was like, there used to be a saying that I'd say to myself, and it came from um, a film back in the day, Billy Crystal and Mick Ryan, The Sure Thing. And the truck driver just dropped off Billy Crystal and he said, do you fully appreciate the magnitude of your impending good fortune? So every time I get into a situation like that, I say, Deco, do you fully appreciate the magnitude <laughs> of your impending good fortune? And I just give myself a little check. And <laughs> yeah. the, the best thing about, um, about that test, I'm nearly sure, was that Gaz Balance sneaked his way into the Barmy Army and nobody even noticed. So he was given the day off as um as 12th man <laughs> he put on casual hat casual glasses casual top everything that you want and it sneaked his way into the barmy army and was um on the lash with all the lads then it was gaz you need to get the ground we're gonna win the series and gaz was like oh i'll, I'll not i'll be there in two minutes so he just walked around the, <laughs> the <lobby. laughs> <laughs> There's been so many situations like that that you guys have created for us in um, New Zealand, 08. All you boys down to the Thirsty Whale, everyone came down and was singing songs. And I remember speaking to Jimmy in, in India and he was saying that he still has all those celebrations on his phone because it's, you know, winning, oh, winning must be great. But sharing it with the people that, you know. Dago, some of the Jimmy has said to me before, he said, we, we, we get around together after we play a test match or we win. In Sri Lanka, recently we were talking, we were in a group together after we won a test as players. And Jimmy says to me, um, we're talking about different scenarios. Oh, this happened on tour, that happened on tour. We went with the Barmy Army, we were singing here, just like you just said. And I says, oh, but what about the wickets? Oh, I can't remember them. Yeah. I can only remember that I uh, remember the good times and those that we've won, but I can't remember getting such and such out or getting such and such out. He never remembers them. The moments that he remembers after such a long career is the moments that he had with his teammates, with the fans, with his family. They're the ones that he remembers, which is actually, you know, after just what you're saying there, like the lads love and appreciate all the support. And, and you know, it's vice versa, isn't it? That's the, that's the great relationship we've got with the Barney Army. I've only been glassy eyed twice at cricket, and that was when we won in Adelaide, and then we won in Melbourne to win the series two one. In Melbourne, especially, I remember walking rounds outside the MCG, and in my own thoughts, you know, and Australians coming up to me, guys, ah, mate, why aren't you giving it large? I said, mate, I said, you know, I was just enjoying that moment, that sort of self reflection of a journey that we've been on since, okay, after 05, we went 
you know, we had then the, the, the next team that took us on to number one in the world. But it was just, I don't know. It's your job. It's your job. And if I if I decorate someone's house and I've had customers in tears, I didn't know that was achievable. And I, oh, you know, that's great. You don't, I don't know whether you 100% really appreciate how much we appreciate what you do for us. You know, I keep talking about being a painter and decorator. It's not a glamorous job. It's, you know, 8% perspiration and just just grafting. <laughs> so to, to go and to enjoy and to celebrate and to my, – my shirts, these mean so much to me. Uh, just everything that the England boys have done for me will never, ever be forgotten. Brilliant. Brilliant. I'm I'm going to just ask you a few quick fire ones because we've got Woody's Woody's super over. If you take the quality of cricket out of the occasion, what is the best tour you've been on in terms of places to visit? Oh, do you know, I'd have to say New Zealand. When you go out on boats and you see the the vista that you see, it just and the people are just there to match. Oh, they're delightful! It really is one of the nicest places I've ever been. I've never felt more relaxed than there. Well, let me draw this analogy with you, my friend. Australia. Now, I don't think God likes Australians because he has, he's the fiercest ozone layer. They've got 10 of the most dangerous animals known to man. Everything's going to kill you over there. Now, you go to New Zealand, you've got nice people. You've got no dangerous animals. The ozone layer, you know. It's, so I, I, I honestly think New Zealand is the land of the gods. What's the greatest calamity you've watched in, before England? I've seen a few. Um, West Indies, where were we? You see the 51 all out, were you there? 51, yeah, 51 all out. And then I, uh, Goffey was there. He just started on Talk Sports. So I, I spoke to him. I said, why are they doing so better than us? I didn't understand it. Then Auckland, Auckland 2018. Yeah, all out. All out for, yeah, we were pulled out with the pink ball, wasn't it? Some some of the Australian tours must have been tough, especially because the Australian fans love to target the Barmy Army. Oh, uh, the Australian, you haven't lived till you've done. You've lived where we sit. They come around just drunk. They can't drink for toffee. Let me tell you that straight up. Now, we, look, I'm going to sound like a professional drinker, which may I am, but it's, we don't get out of order when we have a drink. I've In all the time, I've only ever seen fights in Australia, where Australians fighting Australians and Australian fighting police. It's, we never have that. In the Barmy Army, I swear to God, in all the time, I've never seen a Barmy Army person get leery with anyone, even when sometimes it could be justified. Australians, the way they speak to the players, the... the the language, they're just – and look, I've got Australian fans as well, I have friends as well, and some – not all of them, but when you go down to watch cricket, they metamorphosize into this thing that you go, does anyone love you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Could we also take this opportunity to say a big uh, hello to our Australian listeners? You, you edit this. You're going to edit a lot of this, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, Do you know about Super Overdeco? I have heard it, yes, yes. I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it? it in, in future years, people will look back on Mark with Super Over as a kind of, I suppose, an epoch-defining piece of broadcasting. It's, it's Clive James's <laughs> end-of-the-year review. It's, 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 uh, it's civilization. It's life on Earth. Uh, okay, uh, 90 seconds. Deco, as quick as you can. Don't think, just speak. Go. Three, two, one. Turning pitch or green top? Green top. Favourite TV dog? A spot. Nice. Last photo you took? A £25 one-ounce cart. Nice. Favourite cricket ground? St Kitts. If a duck flew at you, would you duck or fight back? Oh, i fight back, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Steam room or sauna? Sauna. Who was your favourite player as a child? Stevie Coppell. Heaviest thing you've ever dropped on your foot? Hammer. What's the worst thing you've been bitten by? An ex-girlfriend I can't talk about. <laughs> Don't get us the Australian. Name three PSL teams. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Miles is stealing apples from your garden. What do you shout at him? Do you want to come in for a cider? <laughs> nice. By the barest of all margins. All done and done in the time. Is it a claw hammer or a lump hammer you uh, you drop, you drop Deco? A ball pain. Oh. Yes. Deco, thank you very much for coming on. Really loved having you on. You've, had, you've told some great stories. Miles? Deco, thank you very much. Uh, I really, honestly, I really hope, and I'm sure you will get to your 100th overseas uh, you. test for England. I think, you know, you know, whenever I listen to cricket in the middle of the night, you know, and I can hear the crowd there and hear English fans there, I just think that, that must be amazing. And you are the person living that dream. So uh, I, I envy you enormously. Well, Deco's great. Very down-to-earth guy. I mean, the, the thing that, like, when he was speaking, like, oh, I was I was robbed there. <laughs> I was just like, wow. Like, the stuff, he's been through some massive life things that not, you know, half people have been through, been to see some amazing countries. I kind of believe, like, he just passes it off as just normal, doesn't he? And he does it because he loves watching people like you doing what you do. And uh, I do, I do think that's amazing. It's an amazing. Mate, I hear him at every ground. Like we say, you know how we say, "Oh, the crowd blends in," and you don't really notice it. Every ground, where as soon as I hear, "It's ball champ, rock and roll champ," and, and just straight away, <laughs> I can, above everyone else, I know he's there. Is there? It was that thing where people of the Barmy Army have songs, and then they sort of get into the player's head, and they find themselves singing along to their own chants or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I've, there's been occasions where I have deliberately either walked quickly to my mark or walked slowly to my mark just so I can get the start of my song perfected to then give us the build-up to ah, shake it up, buddy, now. And then I charge in and I'm like, <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Um, yeah, but... Because you could, it could make that whole thing that people, if they stop doing it so much, you think that could really get, as a crowd, if you could do it timed exactly to a bowler's run-up, you could just... Do it like for a couple of overs. Do it exactly, and then the bowler will start hearing. Think, oh, that's really good. That's in time, and then they could start shortening the noise and see if you could, uh, or lengthening it, see if you could uh, get some no balls out of them. I'm not saying that people ought to mentally disintegrate. <laughs> well, the, the, of course, the Barmy Army. Oh, Mitchell Johnson famously admitted, didn't he, that the Barmy Army got into his head in that series, and um, they call it the Barmy Army wicket, don't they? Well, when you just chant Barmy Army, Barmy Army until until they take take a wicket, and I think it does. It works sometimes. You must go for. Hours. They were singing the, the old deep balls to the left, deep balls to the right. And then, of course, he comes in 
and he gets out first ball and they chanted all the way off. And I think he was just he was just mentally gone from singing for four tests, I think. But he uh, he got his own back, didn't he? I mean, he did, yeah. Unfortunately, crikey! Why why are you chirping now, mate? Not taking any wicket? <laughs> An important piece of trivia, I think. Um, who was England captain when the Barmy Army were first formed, Mark? I'm just gonna go with Super. Super Michael Athan. You're absolutely correct. I don't don't have to get all my big uh, all my big picture prompts out. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Mark Athan's Barmy Army. Yeah. Why are you sweating profusely? Is it the mention of Michael Athan? I'm not sweating profusely. Sorry, I meant smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I just want to know that you people like I think it's important. It's all very you know you play the game. It's a very exciting time, obviously. All about, I just think it's important that you know about the history of the game, Mark, and that what you're doing is within a wider historical context. Why is your heart beating out of your chest like a cartoon? I'm just, I'm just mentioning him. That's all it. That's all it is. It, it is hot in here, isn't it? <laughs> Michael Atherton, just Butler, just Butler. I should have worn something sleeveless. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I got in my head recently? Was because I had to record a little trailer for the show, which I wrote and recorded, and in it I described the windmills of your mind. And then since that, I keep putting that song on and, and singing it. Have you? Do you know the song? No, but what I, what I. We'll see it as during this episode, Deco has sung a song. I've now sung the start of a couple of songs. So you're the only one left to sing a song. Round like a circle in a spiral, like a wheel within a wheel, never ending or beginning on an ever spinning reel, like a snowball down a mountain or a carnival balloon, like a carousel that's turning, running rings around the moon, like a clock whose hands are sweeping past the minutes of its face, and the world is like an apple whirling silently in space, like the circles that you find in the windmills of your mind. There we are, just that that sort of thing. But I've, um, if you really want to picture it, I've dressed to that every morning this week, Mark. You know, it's fun to do. It's fun to do a little bit of singing. Yeah. <laughs> so this episode's question um, for next week, if all those people that want to write in, um, we're going to ask you your best or worst moment that you've seen um, at the ground spectate in England. What would yours be as a spectator? I've got to go to the Riverside with um, Harmy had invited me. I was very lucky in like the box and I got to meet a few of the players and I got to watch and I think he did really well against Bangladesh at Durham. I think he got five wickets. So for him to pick me up and take me to the ground as an England player, I mean, I just think that's unma- like, you just can't imagine that. So as a kid, that was brilliant. Um, my worst one spectating probably from the 12th man dugout box would be that when we were bowled out in uh, New Zealand. That was, that was hard to watch. Still lovely country though. Yep. You know, it swings and roundabouts. It's clouds and linings. Uh, 05, last two days of 05, I was there. Uh, World Cup final, I've occasionally mentioned, I was there. Um, yeah. I don't know what the word I've seen. I remember seeing a sort of semi-collapse against Pakistan at the Oval about 1996. Somebody punched me in the stomach. Um, yeah, that's probably one of the worst ones. <laughs> Brutal. But it's what, you know, that's the sort of thing that people like me put up with to watch people like you play cricket, Mark. You know, very matter of fact about it. Die hard. <laughs> really hurt, actually. <laughs> Do write in uh, middleplease at hotmail.com. Uh, we're on all of the um, all of the social media, uh, apparently. Goodbye from me, Miles Jupp. And uh, it's goodbye from. Um... Sorry, you did say your name. And goodbye from me, Mark Wood. Thanks for listening. should be taken and is taken brilliant from Mark Wood what a spell this has been
Middle Please Umpire is an electric production in association with Playback Media. For all the latest cricket betting markets, in-play odds and promotions, visit williamhill.com or download the free app. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.